0: that word of remembrance on this Memorial Day weekend. Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. Who said that? Jesus said that. We remember soldiers from all different aspects of the military branches uh, who laid down their life for our freedom so that we could worship here today. So that we could be able to pursue those things which God has set before us as human beings, and not to do it in fear or unencumbered, uh, to be and to do it unencumbered. But is it not true that you can not be in a prison and still not be free, and you can be in a prison and be free? Because freedom, I don't know if it really has all that much to do with sometimes our surroundings as much as it has to do with what's happening inside of us. We're in a series called Empower, Living Life in the Holy Spirit. And um, I reminded this aspect of freedom because the reason that we're taking these weeks to talk about how to live life fully alive in Christ and on his mission in the Spirit is because God wants you to be free. And some of you this morning are maybe sort of bound up inside. Maybe you're bound up by uh, frustrations and pain. Maybe you're bound up by things that have happened in your past and you can't break free to them. God wants you to have freedom. And that's why He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, so that you could be free. Greater love has no man than this, that one lay down his life for his friends. You know, uh, this is uh, the last week of school, as Josh mentioned, looking forward to seeing my uh, son uh, walk through the ceremony of graduation with his other chaparral friends. Um, that's probably going to be a long, big day uh, on Thursday. But I remember when school was out, when I was a young kid, it was a great day of freedom. Was it not? Not. Now, in the Midwest where I grew up, we actually had school buses, believe that or not, that came and picked you up free of charge and took you home. Novel idea for Southern California, I think. And uh, so, you know, freedom was getting on the bus the last day of school, and we had a paperwad fight. That's what we had. And the bus driver usually had something for us to go, but we'd been getting on that bus, riding it for almost an hour because I lived out in the country, you know. And on the last day, man, you're getting packed on the bus and people got a little bit over the top. I remember that. and I remember the joy and the feeling of no more school, right? And the bus door kicks open at the gravel lane I grew up in and they kicked, they kicked out some... uh Paper wads, He's like, man, the remnants were left. We were on our way into a summer of freedom. Freedom. Free at last. Praise God Almighty. I'm free at last. That's how you feel, right? Now, some of you are like, yeah, I remember that. Now i got a job, and I have to show up on Tuesday again, even after a day off on Monday, that kind of thing. I want to be free, that kind of deal. But God wants you free and to celebrate that freedom every day of your life. But the adversary... The one called Satan wants you to be bound up. That's why in Galatians 5, we find these words. It is for freedom, Paul says, that Christ has set us free. Stand firm then and do not let yourselves be burdened again by a yoke of slavery. You, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. So I say walk by the spirit, live by the spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. And then he mentions what we have referenced, the fruit of the spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Paul says, don't go there. You were saved if you've If you've become a Christ follower, your sins were forgiven, not because of what you've done or haven't done, but because of the grace of God. And you say, I repent of my sins. I turn. I want God to come into my life. You were saved by grace through faith. You were given freedom. But I tell you what happens. The moment on the other side of the freedom that you find in Christ, the adversary wants to bind you all up and get you sluggish and walking through that sinful nature. And Paul says, You weren't born, you weren't called to be bound up. And so our series here in the Holy Spirit is one that's just front and center, everyday part of your life and of mine. We've taken it pretty serious, being the last week of school. You know, I could give an exam today. We've been going through the essential truths of the Holy Spirit and what it means to have life in the Spirit. I won't give you an exam. i actually give you a cheat sheet on the back of your program. And so you actually have the answers. Maybe next week I'll keep them uh, there, but put blanks in and we'll we'll, we'll see. I won't do that. promise. We've talked about the Holy Spirit being a person, that he is God himself. He's the paraclete, the helper. The Holy Spirit indwells. He transforms and he gives power. Last week, we came and we parked on this essential truth. To be filled with the Holy Spirit is both a crisis and a progressive experience. A crisis and progressive experience. We talked about when you receive Jesus as your leader in life, your Savior, you get His Spirit. All right? The batteries are included, like we talked about last week. So you get the power of God in your life when you become a Christ follower. You have the Holy Spirit. Don't let everybody, anybody, walk up to you and go, "I don't think." Do you really have the Holy Spirit or not? If you don't have the Holy Spirit, then you are not a Christ follower. But if you are a Christ follower, you have the Holy Spirit. So at conversion, you have the Holy Spirit. But then the question we looked at last week is, does the Holy Spirit have you? Does the Holy Spirit have all of you? I had the opportunity this week to go around to. An extra life group, so I was at life group on Monday night, Tuesday night, Wednesday night. I think I, missed a, I only missed one. And it was a joy just to be able to share and interact. And the question that I sort of ended our time with in life group, and some of you were in those life groups, was the question of the crisis. The crisis moment in your life when the Holy Spirit got all of you. Because you see, you have the Holy Spirit, but are you filled with the Spirit or is the Spirit sort of relegated to a corner of your life? And what was the crisis experience of your life when you surrendered everything to God and said, that's it, you take it all, you take it all? What were the issues that were around your crisis experience of being filled with the Spirit? Were they issues of control, most likely? Were they issues of fear? Were they issues of weirdness? I don't know what it is, but there is a crisis moment when you're filled with the Spirit, and in that moment, you can sort of probably outline your way through to what it was that made you surrender. Now, some people have not come to that crisis moment of being filled with the Spirit. Maybe you're in that place today. I want to encourage you to consider surrendering everything to the Holy Spirit and to be filled fully and completely with the Holy Spirit. And then there's the progressive aspect of having been filled. You keep on being filled. We looked at the Ephesians 5 passage. Be very careful then, it says in verse 15, how you live, not as the unwise or Not as unwise, but as wise. Make the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. And then verse 18. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit. Present imperative Greek tense says this. Having been filled in that crisis moment, you as a believer need to keep on being constantly and continually filled. Why? Because you and I, we leak. We leak. And there are certain weeks you fill it more than others. I had an event this week that after I did something, I'm like, wow, I really need to have a fresh filling of the Spirit because that action was not Christ-centered. Conversion, crisis, progressive the three dynamics of being filled with the Spirit and living life in the Spirit. Some of you have been around life for a while. Uh, Anybody born uh, back in 1926? That's been a while ago now, right? You'd you'd have to be pretty much moving into your 90s there, right? In 1926, there was a man by uh, the name of... Daniel Irvison. He went to a big evangelistic rally in Florida. And at that evangelistic rally in Florida, they talked about the Spirit of God. He wrote a little little song. Songs carried through. It's been in many hymnals. If you've been around church a lot in your life, you might be familiar with it. Spirit of the Living God. You heard it? Fall? Well, then sing it with me. Don't stack me up here. Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. Spirit of the Living God, fall afresh on me. Break me, melt me, mold me, fill me, Spirit of the Lift. Fall of. I won't labor here long. I want to know, have you been filled with the Spirit? And if not, there's nothing greater than to surrender your life to Jesus Christ in all ways. One foot in, one foot out. That's a miserable place to be. If you have been filled with the Holy Spirit, have you forgotten Him? You need to have a fresh filling of the Spirit. I do every day of my life. This little hymn song came back to me this week. And I've been singing it every day. Singing it as I was getting ready this morning. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on me. Break me. Melt me. Mold me. Fill. Another way to sing it and you can end with use me. I just position it to you. Some of you weren't in my life group that I was a part of this week. So I thought I'd just park for a second and say, Have you been filled with the Holy Spirit? And if not, what's keeping you from it? I guarantee you whatever it is that's keeping you from being filled with the Spirit, letting him have all of your life, is so so small. Compared to the great blessing God wants to give, and I believe today, one of the reasons that not only do we struggle as Christians, but churches struggle, is one we don't teach a lot on the Holy Spirit and and all the things that you know have gone before us in these weeks, but we do not operate in the fullness of the Spirit because as a church, because we don't daily seek to be filled with. As a mystical thing, well, there's some mystery to it for sure. But it's fairly concrete. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Do not be freaking out. And he came. He sent his spirit to permanently indwell those who would be followers of him. But even if the spirit permanently indwells you, he may not be able to powerfully work through you to keep you in that state of freedom unless you are continually and constantly in a state of seeking to be filled and saying, break me, melt me, mold me, fill me. May that be the hymn of your heart. Amen? Jesus, may it be so this morning. Anyone who has not come to that crisis place of being filled with your Spirit, may you wrestle them in your kind and tender way to a place where they fully surrender. May they become fully free in you by being filled with your spirit. Amen. So we're moving on today. The next essential truth I want to lay out to you is to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. To learn the voice of the Holy Spirit. Some of you actually, uh, some ladies have been doing a Bible study in this, I understand, recently. I want to go back to John 14, where we led off on the first week, and Jesus was teaching. You know, he taught them after the resurrection about the Holy Spirit, just like he taught them before the resurrection about the Holy Spirit, because he knew the Holy Spirit was the one that was going to be left with them. So it says in John 14, 15, If you love me, you will keep my commandments, and I, hey, I'm going to ask the Father. And he's going to give you another helper. And that word helper means what? Paraclete, helper, comforter, advocate. All right. That's one of the truths we looked at. That he may be with you in the moment here or there. No, that he will be with you forever. That is the spirit of truth. Whom the world cannot receive because it does not see him or know him. But you know him because he abides with you and will be in you. All right, so he's framing up this new reality. These things I have spoken to you while abiding with you, it says in verse 25, but the Helper, the Paraclete, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send to my name, he will teach you all things and bring to remembrance all that I said to you. Huh? Where's he at? He's here. He's within you. Well, I don't know how much he's teaching me recently. Well, my question is, how much are you listening to his voice? All right. It's the voice of the Holy Spirit that we need to be listening to. And you might think, well, I don't hear an audible voice. Wouldn't that sort of be nice? Well, it would be nice. I can talk to you audibly right now. But guess what? When you leave here today, I can't talk to you audibly unless I pick up the phone. But if I was a spirit, as the Holy Spirit is, who dwells within you, that spirit can speak to you promptings, corrections at any moment, at any time. And he will speak to you truth. So it's a far superior means of communication than even FaceTime, right? You have the Holy Spirit that's with you. And he can speak in the moment of crisis, in the moment of need, or in the moment of joy and celebration. You have one who is you. You. What a great promise. But then, we'll look at John 15 some next week. But John 16, I mean, uh, from 14 to 16, just all red letters. Which means all the words of Jesus. Jesus teaching his disciples. Jesus teaching us today. And in John 16, he comes back around clearly to this understanding of the helper. But now I am going to him who sent me. <gasps> You're leaving Jesus? Yes. Yes. And none of you ask me, where are you going? Why? Because they're just worried about themselves. Where are you going? You're not here. You're not here. But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. But I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the Holy Spirit, the Helper, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send this paraclete to you. It's a promise, a powerful promise. And we saw how it was fulfilled on the day of Pentecost last week in Acts 2. And he, when he comes, will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. Concerning sin because they do not believe in me. And concerning righteousness because I go to the Father and you no longer see me. And concerning judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. I have many more things to say to you. It's one of those sentences in Scripture where I'm like, go, go ahead. Write it down. But you cannot bear them now. But He, the Spirit of truth, comes when He comes. He will guide you into all the truth, for He will not speak on His own initiative, but whatever He hears from the Father, He will speak, and He will disclose to you what is to come. He will glorify me, for he will take of mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore I said that he takes of mine and will disclose it to you. Now, I know that's running through a lot of Scripture, but I'm sure all of us could have used more Scripture this week. The passage in John 16 highlights what Jesus says the Holy Spirit is going to be speaking to you about. Truth. But he's going to speak to you about sin and righteousness and judgment. Now, I see people a lot of times getting off on all kinds of fringe interaction and thoughts. And and even with the Holy Spirit, it's like, well, he's the Holy Spirit. Friends, that's front and center. The Holy Spirit that dwells in you, that fills you, that's breaking you and molding you. In empowering you, that Holy Spirit, His voice is speaking to you and to me about sin, righteousness, and judgment. Sin, about what is to stay clear from. Don't do that, son. Don't do that, daughter. That will be dangerous for you. Conviction of sin front and center with the holy spirit and if we don't teach on the conviction of sin in local churches woe is us because the holy spirit is not there what is sin sin is missing the mark it's not the whole idea of measuring up to god it's missing the mark for the freedom that you were set free for and so the holy spirit says whoa hang there don't go there he's convicting me of sin I need to dig out my ears and listen to it. And then, beautifully, he's convicting me of righteousness, who he is. All that is good, all that is noble, all that is trustworthy. You ever see something beautiful in your life? Maybe it's seeing children at play. Maybe it's seeing some kind-hearted soul give uh, opportunity to another person. Maybe it's something in creation and you're just seeing, wow, what a great creator God. There's, there's conviction in speaking in a voice of the Spirit that says, wow, look at that. Look at the righteousness and the beauty of God himself. Righteousness. He's going to speak to you about righteousness and then he's going to speak to you about judgment. Reference here is because the rule of this world has been judged. The ruler is the Satan who tries to distort us, to take us away from the freedom, to distort the truth of God. He's saying, Hey, don't get overly anxious. I don't know what it is about our culture today, but it gets us all pent up in trying to judge one another. We're trying to call out this, call out that. Well, we need to have discernment. Scripture says, Judge not lest you be judged, but it means judge in the same manner to be judged. Because the Spirit lives within us, there's a rightful right and wrong. But friends, do not worry that God's judgment isn't going to prevail, because it will. All wrongs will be made right. He will clearly separate the sheep from the goats. There's coming a judgment day. For some people, it's in in, uh, the pattern of life that they live, and there's judgment that comes upon it. For others, you know, maybe it's an eternal thing. But... I want you to know that the Holy Spirit's got it covered. You don't need to take on a spirit of judgment towards people. But He will. He will convict the world concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. What I do is I participate in that ministry of the Holy Spirit. And sometimes I kindly exhort. Sometimes I have tough love. I point things out. But it's not a judging kind of spirit. And I don't have to preach about sin And damnation. And I don't have to worry that someone's never going to understand at some level the beauty of the righteousness of God. Because these are foremost responsibilities of the voice of the Holy Spirit that is speaking into the lives of people. John also records in 1 John 2 this, verse 26. I'm writing these sayings to warn you about those who want to lead you astray. But you have received the Holy Spirit and he lives within you. So you don't need anyone to teach you what is true. For the Spirit teaches you everything you need to know and what he teaches is true. It is not a lie. So just as he taught you, remain in the fellowship of Christ. I like this verse, just a simple verse. John 10:27, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. Do you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life? Do you hear the voice of the Holy Spirit in your life? Or maybe sometimes are you a little bit too busy to hear that voice? In uh, A.W. Tozer's book, The Pursuit of God, he's got a chapter in here. I like the title of the chapter called The Speaking Voice. He says this, The voice of God is a friendly voice. No one need fear to listen to it unless he has already made up his mind to resist it. Whoever will listen will hear the speaking from heaven. This is definitely not the hour when men take kindly to an exhortation to listen. For listening is not today a part of popular religion. Now you understand, he wrote this back like in the 60s. I'm like, oh my gosh, what would he do today with social media and everything else that sort of keeps us preoccupied? We are at the opposite end of the pole from there. Religion has accepted the monstrous heresy that noise, size, activity, and bluster make a man dear to God. But we may take to heart. But we may take heart. To a people caught in the tempest of the last great conflict, God says, this comes from Psalm 46:10, be still. And know that I am God. And still he says it as if he means to tell us that our strength and safety is not in noise, but in silence. It is important that we get straight, that we get still to wait on God, and it is best that we get alone, preferably with our Bible outspread before us. Then, if we will, we will draw near to God and begin to hear him speak to us in our hearts. I think for the average person, the progression will be something like this. First, a sound as of a presence walking in a garden. Then, a voice more intelligible, but still far more clear. Then, the happy moment when the Spirit begins to illuminate the Scriptures and that which had been only a sound or at best a voice now becomes an intelligible word, warm and intimate and clear as the word of a dear friend. Then, will come life and light and best of all, the ability to see and rest in the embrace of Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of all. The Bible will never be a living book to us until we are convinced that God is articulate in his universe. I believe that much of our religious unbelief is due to a wrong conception of and a wrong feeling for the scriptures of truth. A silent God suddenly began to speak in a book, and when the book was finished, lapsed back into silence forever. Now we read the book as the record of what God said when he was for a brief time in the speaking mood. With notions like that, our heads, in our heads, how can we believe? The facts are that God is not silent, has never been silent. It is the nature of God to speak. Too much noise going on? Happens with me. If you want to hear the voice of God, you need to slow down. The voice of God is a still, small voice. Oh, sometimes it comes to you as if somebody just opened up a megaphone from heaven because it's such a clear word. But the voice of the Holy Spirit is a soft, tender voice. And you have to remove yourself to be able to hear the voice, reflect on the word, reflect on God, who he is. He will speak. He's a speaking God. He didn't give us the Bible and say, Here you go, have at it. You're done. I'll see you later when I decide to come back. No, I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to come to you. And in that day you'll know that I'm in the Father, and you and me, and I and you. I'm going to send you this helper, and the helper is going to, you know, speak, be the Spirit of truth. And He's going to bring to remembrance all that I said to you. The Holy Spirit is given to you in your life to be able to hear from God every single moment of every day. Satan wants to take your freedom, get you (laughs) locked up on your issues, your losses, the things you don't have, what you need to... And you just need to know that the greatest superior thing of all the universe is to have this dynamic, beautiful, interactive relationship with the Holy Spirit who is a person who abides with you. And He wants to speak to you. Speak to you in drive time. Speak to you at work. Speak to you when you're challenged with your kids. Speak to you when you're hanging out for Memorial Day weekend. He's always there to speak to you. But is the voice of God something that you hear? Or is it, well, he spoke once. He's active and dynamic, and that voice is speaking, and that voice is convicting the world and you of sin, righteousness, and judgment. My sheep, hear my voice. You cultivate the voice. I am amazed. I'm, I'm not a huge animal, I, I love animals. Supposed to love animals, right? I just don't spend a lot of time just getting endeared to animals. I love our dog in a dog sense. English word, only one word, love, right? I am amazed by how my dog over the years, ten years now, knows my voice. Another voice, oh, it's barking, man. She's lit up. My voice, she calms. She'll come. She'll hang her head low when she's done something bad. Right? She knows my voice. Now maybe that illustration connects with you or not. But there's something about the Master. Is He your Master? You learn to recognize His voice. And that voice is a kind shepherd voice. leading you into great pastures. But to learn the voice of the Holy Spirit leads us to this next essential truth. And that is to trust the Word of the Holy Spirit. And the Word of the Holy Spirit is the revelation and truth of inspired Scripture. The Holy Bible makes it holy. The only reason it's holy is not because it's got some sanctimonious leather on it or it's been, you know, christened somewhere. It's holy because the one who is holy inspired it and speaks to us from this book. He speaks to us from this book foremostly. The truth of inspired scripture and the revelation, the voice that comes to us. Will always spring forth from this word. It will never contradict this word. It may be a timely message separate unto you reading the text in the Holy Bible. But he uses the scripture to be able to speak to you and i let me just go through a few passages here probably may be familiar with these second peter 1:20 says above all you must understand that no prophecy of the scripture old testament referring to in particular here came about by the prophet's own interpretation of things for prophecy never had its origin in the human will but prophets though human spoke from God as they were, what? Carried along by the Holy Spirit. Where was the Holy Spirit when the prophet spoke? He was right there speaking into them to speak forth to the people a word from God. Second Timothy 3.14 But as for you, continue in what you have learned and have become convinced of because you know those from whom you learned it, Paul says and how from infancy you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All Scripture, all Scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness so that the servant of God may be thoroughly equipped for every good work. You like that phrase, all Scripture is God-breathed? Remember what we said about The Holy Spirit, the word that it comes from, both in Hebrew and in Greek, has to do with breath. He breathes the word through human beings, and it's his divine inspired word. So we need to trust the word of God, and we need to rest upon it. Beautiful section here in James. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen. Slow to speak. Slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the word of God that has been planted in your hearts. For it is the power to save your souls. Now this, this is in scripture. This is critical for you to understand. Because the Holy Spirit, when the Holy Spirit speaks, he speaks from his word and that word has been planted or King James refers to the word of God being engrafted into your life and so if the word of God is not engrafted into your life then you're not going to be able to hear the voice of God very clearly and you are also not going to see your soul saved now James takes some knocks in scripture because it's like well you're saved by grace through faith understand that but James seems to sometimes refer to that you're saved through works. Well, he's not saying that you're saved through works, but he's saying what Paul says back in Philippians, which is, you know, having been saved, work out your salvation. In other words, the Holy Spirit comes to dwell within you, and then the Holy Spirit's going to live through you to transform your life. And he is going to save your soul. And this is one of those places where the word soul is referencing not your spirit, the essence of who you are as an immaterial being like we've looked at, but the soulish nature of you, your mind, your will, and your emotions. Humbly accept the word of God it in your heart and let this word of God be the power as the Holy Spirit works in your life to save your soul and transform your life. You are perfect because the perfect one dwells within you. But in your soulish nature, your mind, your will, and your emotions, you need to be continually changed and redeemed and transformed. You easily get caught up in bondage. You lose your freedom. You choose to live according to the sinful nature rather than according to the Spirit. And so the exhortation is to live according to the Spirit, live according to the revelation and the truth of the one who's your helper, and he is going to take this word and allow it to be engrafted into your life. So your salvation eternally comes through grace by faith. Jesus Christ coming into your spirit. You're sealed until the day of redemption. But the one who dwells there is going to work through you, through his word, to save your soulish parts of your mind, your will, and your emotions that are still broken until the Lord returns. You got that? That's very important to understand. Because... If you want to see transformation happen in your life, if you want that freedom to come, then you have to be engrafted into the Word of God and let the Word of God speak to you. Many times we try to let our minds inform our spirits or our soul what we need to be doing rather than allowing the spirit to inform the mind. The mind's always engaged. There's nothing wrong with the mind. You can take this Bible, even if you're a non-Christ follower, you can read it. You can sort of understand parts of it. You can dissect it. You can, you know, do the grammatical things. and, And the mind can comprehend this Word of God. But when the Spirit comes into you, something even more supernatural happens, and the Spirit begins to inform the mind. He doesn't bypass the mind. And the Spirit begins to speak to you even an audible word. Do this. Go there. Stay clear from there. Ananias, you might have been familiar with the guy. Paul was named Saul before he was converted. He was destroying Christians all over the place. Saul has a Damascus Road experience, as it's called. Jesus appears to him. He says, why, why do you persecute me? And he goes, oh my goodness, you are the Lord Jesus. Jesus appears to Paul after the ascension. He's blinded. He goes to Damascus, is helped on his way to Damascus. The Spirit of God comes to Ananias and he says, I want you to go down to the straight street and there is this guy by the name of Saul there who I want you to speak to. If you were Ananias, what would you have said in that moment? You're nuts, Holy Spirit. His mind would have said, don't do that. I'm not going there. I'm not going to fall into that trap. you hear what he's been doing to people? But he recognized the voice of the Spirit, and the Spirit's voice informed his mind and his rationale and began to help him understand more clearly, no, I need to do this. Sometimes the voice of God will tell you and take you in directions that you are not comfortable with with the rest of your being. Maybe because of fear, maybe because the lack of experience or something. And you need to learn and train yourself to listen to the voice of the Spirit and let the Spirit voice lead you. Now, I know this is deep. You know, we're just like shoveling really deep here trying to get down to the bottom this. I don't mean to overwhelm you. But I just want to instruct and encourage you that there's some other ways to living than you trying to sit down and rationally figure out all your problems. Maybe God wants to speak to you a word today. Quietness. Still small voice, Alone with him. Do you believe he still speaks? Or do you think, as Tozer said, oh, he spoke a long time ago on this book. He slammed the book. It was done. Here, just do that. No, God speaks to you today. And he wants you to be obedient to the word that he brings. He will never contradict His Word. James goes on and says this, Don't just listen to God's Word. The written Word, the voice, the audible Word, you must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the Word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in a mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says, and don't forget what you heard, then God will bless you for doing it. Isn't that a great verse? The Holy Spirit speaks that to you today. I, I met with somebody this week. You know, a long, good discussion going on. I get in the car, and I look up in the mirror, and guess what? I had that little bit of the foam stuff in the corner of your mouth. I talk so much. I don't know how embarrassing. I sat there for a whole hour. The person looked at me, foaming at the mouth, and didn't say anything. Right? If you look in the mirror and you see something wrong, you correct it. This Word of God and the voice of the Spirit speaking to you through the Word causes you to correct things. Some of you grew up watching Happy Days. I grew up watching Happy Days. You remember the Fonz? Fonz would take out a comb. what? And he would walk, he'd look in a mirror, and he'd do what? "Hey, Hey, I don't need a comb. I'm looking good. Friends, that's not true of any of us in this life there's always correction to be made. And this says, if you look in a mirror in the Word of God and hear the voice of God and you don't do what it says, you're a blatant fool. Oh, it's pretty strong. You're fooling yourself. But if you look perfectly at it and you do obey the Word of God, you are going to be blessed. And guess what? That voice of hearing the shepherd call my voice that knows my voice, if, if you don't obey the voice that God's put before you, you start to shut it down. And you don't reckon with it, but the more you obey a voice. And you may say, "Was well, this me thinking this? Or is this really God saying this? Did I just have bad pizza last night? Or what's going on inside of me? Friends, just err on the side of doing what you believe God's calling you to do. And as you walk into that, you'll start to hear his voice more clearly. But if you shut it down and you don't obey it, woe is you. What was you? Some people say, What's the sin against the Holy Spirit ultimately? You know, because the scriptures say that, you know, blasphemy against the Holy Spirit, people have gone all down. I tell you what, I think what blasphemy of the Holy Spirit is, you resist the Holy Spirit's voice for so long in your life that he no longer speaks to you. Really? Yeah. I don't want to be there. Always weigh the subjective sense of the voice of the Spirit against the teachings of the book that he inspired. He will give you revelation based on the truth of the scriptures that he inspired. Sometimes, though, his voice is not when you're reading the scripture, it's an audible, silent, still small voice speaking to you. Subjective at times? Maybe. But it's never going to be contrary to the word that he inspires. This leads me to my last point, and just quickly I had to bring this in because I think it ties in here. Do not sin against the Holy Spirit. Do not resist, grieve, quench, or suppress. Three verses that highlight some of those words. You stubborn people. You are heathen at heart and deaf of truth. Acts seven fifty one. You know who's speaking this? Stephen. You know what happened to Stephen after he spoke this? He was killed. You stubborn people, you are heathen and hard and death of the truth. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. And they picked up the stones and killed him. Ephesians 4.30, Paul says, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. You can only grieve a person. It's one of the strongest positions I think. He's a person. You can grieve him. 1 Thessalonians, Paul also says in 5.16, Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for it is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. The voice of the Holy Spirit is speaking to you about sin, righteousness, and judgment. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you to encourage you in your life, to give you guidance and direction. He is the Spirit of truth. He is the one who is the helper, the comforter, a counselor. The Holy Spirit is resident within you. You don't have to pick up the phone. You don't have to seek out some special back door of communication. You communicate directly with the Spirit. And He communicates to you through His Word, and brings revelation and strength to your everyday life. And when He does, do not sin against the Holy Spirit. Do not resist Him. Do not grieve Him. Do not quench Him. And do not suppress. You know, the word quench has to do with like putting out a fire. He's wanting to put a fire in you. And we go around sometimes and we just sort of hose it all down. I don't think that was God or I don't want to get weird or whatever it is and we're resisting the spirit sometimes when you hose things in your house what uh, in your backyard what do you do you crimp the hose right as you walk from one bush to another bush or one area to another area and i see us doing that all the time we just crimp the hose okay spirit you're speaking conviction to me about sin righteousness and judgment Eh, not for now and we quench the spirit don't go there don't do that. The voice of God through His Spirit is near for your strength, your encouragement, and for the dynamic relationship you are meant to have. Empower. Live life in the Spirit. Joe, would you come up? He's going to just lead us in a quiet refrain of that hymn that we sung. I'm going to add the word fill me. I want this to be your response. The ushers, they're going to come at this time to receive your connection cards, God's offering. But just a simple ending. And um, what I want you to do on this weekend before we head out to whatever activities we have today and tomorrow.